Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Drums. Can't remember if we did a show last week. Feel like we did a show last week. That means I probably used up uh, whatever the good story was that I was going to use. I will tell you this because I do think that some of you guys like find this sort of thing interesting. Ooh, excuse me. So I wrote this week, right? You guys know I typically do that like once or twice a year, but I mean, it's a pandemic. You know, ain't no reason not to like step it up a little bit. And so I wrote something this week. And people seem to receive it fairly well. Feel free to check it out. But man, I realized everything that I love and hate about writing all at once. And I don't know if other people who write professionally feel this way. I mean, hell, I don't know if people who write like for fun. I won't say amateurs and sound disrespectful, but I don't know how anybody else like I don't know how you feel about this. But I realized the thing that I really like about writing is that I feel a sense of accomplishment when I like share the link. You know, I, I generally don't care that, you know, you know, I'm not a positive affirmation type person. or I don't need affirmation in that way. But it feels good when you drop something and you write it and it lands. Like I dig that. Um, I can live with it if it doesn't, but I do like the feeling that like, okay, it's landed. That's, that's been pretty dope. Right. But I realized in part why, man, I could not do this for a living. Once I start writing something, I can't really think about anything else until it's finished. And if I start thinking about something else, I'm done. Like, that's the worst thing, right? So, like, I wrote that thing on Sunday, and then I sent it in on Monday morning, and then, like, all day Monday, and this is nobody's fault. This is just how I'm wired. All day Monday, I'm like, yo, so when are we going to get some edits back? Yo, when are we going to get some edits back? Because for me, it ain't done until it's done, right? I can't move on until it's done. And then at the end of the day, they're like, yo, we're going to hold it till tomorrow. Had some reasons. I said, cool. I wake up the next morning. And I've written about this place kicker that the Patriots signed uh, who had a tattoo for a far right wing militia on his arm. And like the main crux of what I was saying at that point was that nobody asked him any of the questions that mattered. They did a conference call after he was drafted. And somebody asked him about the tattoos because Twitter had found them. And he gave an answer that really didn't add up and everybody kept it moving. And so the whole point of my column is, yo, we can't, how are we just going to keep it moving? We can't keep it moving. I wake up Tuesday morning and somebody's done an interview with the dude. I'm like, damn, okay, you just set fire to my whole column. So I'm about to move on. And they're like, no, 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 it can still be fixed. And so I know I got to do it again. And so for me, and again, this ain't on nobody. This is just kind of how I'm wired. For me, I start writing on Sunday. I can't let it go until Tuesday. Like, I just can't. It's a little different. Like, I'm writing these uh, scripts for these videos that we're doing. If you didn't get a chance to check out the Bulldoze series, check that out. We did one on the Knicks. 
And I can kind of let that go a little bit different. But like once I start writing something, I cannot let it go. And I'm telling you, man, there's no way in the world that's healthy. It can't be like a radio show. I'm about done with it once it's finished. But, but it this cannot be a way to live. Like, and I don't know what kinds of things their writers, other writers have go through their heads. I don't know if insecurity is not the right word, but you know, I don't know what else it is for other people. I'm just telling you, man, that is not like, it feels good in the end, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, check out the column. I personally believe it's pretty good. Somebody in the chat room said, Bo always strikes me as a person who would be really good at writing. And I'm like, holy shit. Has it been so long since I've been a writer that somebody would say that with no consideration to the fact that, like, I do this? And I'm not shading. I'm not shading my man for saying that in the chat. Uh, Daniel, I'm not shading you at all for that. I'm looking at myself. I'm like, damn, okay. I guess that is why every now and then I got to pop up and remind y'all who I am. Because you literally... Do not know who I am. A man here said, we're right. You can always go back and find flaws. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Until it's, like, actually done, all I'm doing is going back through, going back through, going back through. And, like, with writing, like, I've always said the most daunting thing about a book. And I've done this, like, I've tried to write a sample chapter for a proposal. You start off with something that feel like the best thing that you've ever done. And then you send it to people to tell you just how good it's not. And now you got to take the best thing that you've ever done and make it better than anything that you've ever done. And then after that, you got to take the best thing that you've ever done again and make it better than anything you've ever done. Like, I mean, it is a taxing sort of process. And I don't know anybody, and I'm like a naturally gifted person on writing. Like, I'm not a person that has to spend a whole lot of time whittling away at their original thoughts to get it right. I'm not one of those. Like, I do, I got this in a lot of ways. But just doing it over and over and over and over and over again, man, I think it's not easy, man. It's not. Yes, I keep on yawning because I. I, I got to figure this out. And I feel like a whole lot of other people are living this life in a way. Um, I, I'm not sure the last time I had a day off. I feel like the last time I had a day off where I didn't have to do anything. Like the Sunday before. Uh, the last dance started. Yeah, I think that's it. Like my job's a little different than I think it is for a lot of people. Like your job is kind of still your job. You're just doing it from home. The thing for me is like I was doing a television show and the television show got canceled. So what had been my job before the quarantine didn't exist anymore. I don't really have anything. So what I got to do in these times is like go find stuff to do, right? Nobody's assigned to care about what I'm doing. So on one level, I could just be posted up somewhere, uh, sitting around, not really doing nothing, hoping I don't get noticed. By the way, that's a great way to get laid off. 
anyway um but i'm like nah man this is my time there's a lot of open space right now it's got to be work to do it's got to be people that's looking for things to do and so i've been seeking out folks that like want to do stuff like the bulldoze series that's how that came about i hit somebody up and was like yo what y'all working on over there i'm like oh y'all got that all right cool i'll do it um do the stuff with highly questionable you know kind of put myself out there for that podcast it still rolls and then you wind up at least i wind up you know with people like yo you want to come on this podcast you want to do this we're thinking about that because all kinds of people are just looking for ways like the folks that's got some hustle about them um they out here you know and so people grinding trying to get something and a lot of people asking and so i'm like cool and so it's like you start off with wow i really don't have that much to do and then next thing you know you're like damn what's going on with my schedule right everywhere it goes it go, you know, you wind up in that. The next thing you know, you picking up something and you got to work on Saturday on it. Saturday's like the only appropriate day for it to be done. And then Sunday comes around and like the last dance is entertaining. But like, you know, for me, since that's what we got to cover, I got to got to watch it like work. You know. So, yeah, it's it's a like I'm still pretty good overall with this. Getting my workout on core, getting by rock solid, getting my yoga on, like all of that stuff, you know. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. But damn, the strangest thing about the current times, and you tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like I'm not the only person that feels this way right now. But the strangest thing about these times, ain't nothing harder for me to find right now than a day off. And then if I take the day off, it's like, what the hell I'm going to do now? Anyway, let us move on to your questions. You see that the state of Georgia is going to allow teenagers to take the wheel without any training or driver's license. All you need is your mama's approval. Worst idea ever. You know, I saw this when the story broke, and I think that my initial thought was, wow, this is the worst idea ever. But, uh, Let's not pretend like it's really that hard to get a damn driver's license. If it was that hard to get a driver's license, wouldn't everybody you know have a driver's license? Like, think about this with the driver's license. You know some people who don't have driver's licenses, or it's possible. Like, you live in New York, uh, Toronto's a place that's like this, a few others, right? Places with, like, real strong public transportation. You live in those places. You will know people who don't know how to drive. You will know people who do not have driver's licenses. I'm asking you, have you ever met somebody who wanted a driver's license, but could not secure one because they could not pass a test? All right. All I'm saying is this program in Georgia, that's basically what the standard has always been that your parents say it's okay for you to get a license. You go down there and you get the license, right? Another thing you got to remember, and this, I think for y'all folks in the city, y'all might not be able to understand that, this part. But in the country, in the South, yo, man, them folks been driving cars for a long time. Like, if you live off them back roads or whatever it is, you learn how to drive young, right? People you probably drive 12, 13 years old, whatever it is, right? Like, like by the time it gets around, uh to actually getting the license they've been doing this 
And my man's right. He says, there's nobody I trust less than a teenager in 2020 to drive. That's the case with the license, without the license, with driver's ed. Like the things that worry me about teenagers driving cannot be cured with training. They can only be cured with life experience. Right? Like the stuff they do in driver's ed is not the stuff that scares me. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Yeah, I feel like this Daniel guy doesn't know anything about me. He says, are you coming down to Georgia for a haircut? I don't need to go anywhere to get a haircut, brother. I take care of that all by myself. I ain't gonna lie, though, man. I'm looking all around. I'm seeing all these different places. And people out here with these states, and they opening up and all of that stuff. And you go open up anything you want, baby. I ain't going. Like, no matter what it is. I'm not making the trip. And again, I've said this from the very beginning. I don't necessarily believe that all these people open this, opening this back up are evil, right? This money thing is getting real. Like, let me tell you what scares me now more than anything else in the news as it relates to this corona. And where I'm like, yo, I'm not exactly sure what it is that we're going to do, but this is when things are going to get to be a problem. And I don't want to say it's a catch-22, but because I mean that that feels that don't feel right. But uh, look, man, this situation with the 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 meat industry, like, yo, that's when this is gonna get real. Because I want you to think about something right fast. Okay, I'll never forget this, man. One of my homeboys uh, from college is a little bit after we were out of school, and he said something I will never forget. He was like, "Look." I may be broke, but I will never go hungry. He said, no matter what happened, no matter what his financial situation was, his first move was always going to be to go to the grocery store because he's like, I may be broke, but I will not be hungry. No matter what, he's going to have something to eat. If we get to a point where there is a shortage of meat, Yo, that's when it's going to get tight out here in these streets, right? Like the stage where people can't get food. And then after that, once this unemployment rate bottoms out, like that's when we start talking about like, yo, is this shit going to look like the purge? You understand what I'm saying? Like, like that's the idea. People will say like all those lines, right? You know, like the JK's line, my son can't eat those plaques. Like when you start hearing people talk about what the functionality is about having money, the references immediately go toward eating. That is the first place they go. If they not going to have enough meat in the stores, we already got these supply chain issues with everything else, man. When the food supply gets tight. Woo. And man, wait till by and by yeah, wait till people get to be more and more aware of all the food that has been destroyed because they couldn't find places to send it, even though food banks have been begging for donations. Like if it gets tight out here in these streets for food, and people find out that there has been food out here that has simply been destroyed, and it's been destroyed because the restaurants are out to gang. 
And since the restaurants are out the game, there is a huge surplus of food. And you would think to yourself, oh, surplus, that sounds good, but this is surplus in economic terms. And I mean surplus, which is to say, not like, ooh, we got extra, as much as, ooh, we got more than demand. Right. That food ain't built to last. And so does that destroy it. Like, my man's here, like an outhold, is out here dumping potatoes. And then you got the workers that's out here catching this Rona and in there dying. And so they're making the legitimate point. Like, yo, man, we can't keep coming in here. It's too risky. Like, I don't know if it's possible for you to run a food processing plant with social distancing. And look, man, I mean, I'm not saying that we out here living in the times of Upton Sinclair. But, uh, yo, bad things happen when people start dying at the food plant. Like, we got a, uh, we got history. To indicate that ain't what you want. So yeah, man, like like this, this this food, like keep it on a basic level. I don't think anything worries me about what the state of like social rest or unrest is going to be, other than this food situation. Sorry about that. I accidentally hit the wrong button. Y'all got me though. Uh oh. By the way, I forgot to tell y'all something. I got a bike. Yeah, I got a bike. My brother apparently uh, got himself a bike, but he already had a bike. And so I got his bike. Now, it's funny. My man P.S. says Texans ride bikes, question mark. That is where this story comes together. So I went to pick the bike up. From my brother, I had gone to the bike store, got me a chain, got me a helmet. You know what I'm saying? Stuff you need. And so I got my bike. People like road bike, hybrid mountain. I don't know. It's a bike. Anyway, my brother explained to me how the brakes work and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, you tap this one for the big wheel. You tap this one for the little wheel. And I'm like, huh. I don't think I've ever had a bike where the brakes weren't on the feet. And he was like, we had a 10-speed bike before, right? And I'm like, nope. Like, it dawned on me right then and there. I had never had a 10-speed bike before. Why? As my man said, I'm from Texas. Ain't nowhere for me to go that I can get on a bike. Right? And, like, I didn't go to school with the people who like lived in my neighborhood. So like, I didn't have any like friends to go like riding bikes with and go meet up with. I ain't that, that wasn't the game for me. So yeah, I realized I have no idea. Like I know how to ride a bike. Although I'd say, I don't really know how to ride a bike as much as I know how to not fall off a bike. Cause I rode that bike home. By the way, I don't know how people be riding bikes like in traffic in New York City on a regular basis because I was out here in these ghost town streets and I'm like, yo, a left turn feels incredibly daunting right now. Like they got bike lanes. They on the right. How am I supposed to turn to the left if my lane is on the right? Like I had to go do some Googles 
You know what I'm saying? Like, figure out, like, are there different rules? Like, I've seeing people on these bikes, and they, like, run through the light and stuff like that. I'm like, yo, am I allowed to do that? Like, what am I missing here? Like, is, is this the game? Is this the way it goes? But, yeah, man, I got me a bike. I don't know. Like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. Somebody was like, but a bike means going outside. Dog, I mean, you can go outside. Like, we got to go outside from time to time. I'm not, like, literally standing indoors all the time. I understand that y'all live in places where y'all got yards and stuff like that. So maybe it feels like a different proposition. But what you think? We going to be in here and never go outdoors? Like, that's ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, I'll just go ride somewhere. I don't think I'll be, like, next to nobody. Somebody in the chat room says, I live in Miami. You know how it is. I stopped riding my bike in any sort of busy street. And you, you, yo, man, you a hero in Miami. I swear for God. Was this in traffic or did I just see this on the Internet? No, I just saw it on the Internet. I saw a dude on 95. Somebody put a video up on a dude on I-95 on a bicycle. I-95. Yo, this Daniel dude, I wonder what his story is. He's like, you wear a mask if you're just walking down the street. Hell yeah, fool. It's real out here. Everybody out here li living like ninjas. Anyway, let me move on. To your, oh, well, I already moved on to the questions. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. What do you think about Kanye finally being recognized as a billionaire after repeated attempts of sending Forbes his financial records. I feel like you're asking me the wrong question. You're asking me what I think of Forbes recognizing Kanye after years of sending Forbes his financial records. I figure you would be asking me how lame is it that Kanye repeatedly tried to get Forbes to recognize him as a billionaire. That is one of the saddest things that I have ever heard. Because let me tell you something, man. If I get up to a billion dollars, the last thing I want is for y'all to know. Like, I don't really... Nah, nah, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's one of those pathetic things that I have ever heard. It really, really is. Sorry, Kanye. You are a billionaire. Now, dude, now, aside from the fact that I don't really do shit for me, let me tell you something that I feel like people don't give a damn about right now. How rich anybody else is. Like, I, I don't, the billionaire as of now is not really that popular. Just so you know. Like, I hope that when this purge hit, y'all going to be like, hey, 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 he cool, though. He cool, though. Like, hey, hey, I was say, that Rolex done seen these streets for the last time, baby. <clears throat> At least anytime soon. No, sir, Bob. I am not trying to identify myself as somebody who got all the meat. You know what I'm saying? I don't want them looking at me and being like, yo, 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 he got some meat in his freezer. Get him, get him, get him. Nah, man. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. If my graduation is online, it's dumber for me to wear a cap and gown in my house than it is to just wear my hoodie and sweatpants for the ceremony, right? Um, here's what I'll say to you about that. 
even if it's just for a picture that you want to send your mother, assuming your mother is in your life, even if it's just for long enough to take a picture, put on the cap and gown. That's all I'm saying. Let me tell you a story about me graduating, right? So my graduation was not a guarantee. Um, I had a lot going on in my life my senior year. I had decided before my senior year that if I didn't get enough credits to graduate, then I was just never going to graduate because I was never coming back to school again. I got two more degrees after that, but whatever. But that was where I was. I was just not going to do it. And then the week of graduation comes up, and, oh, God, a lot went on that week too. Um, and I just didn't really care about the idea of graduating because again, you guys know, I don't need out. I don't need external validation in that way. Like I looked at all those things is rather than like achievement or reaching a goal. I viewed them as somebody determining whether you were smart enough and I didn't have any value in that. You know, that just didn't that just didn't do anything for me. So anyway, I'm there for graduation. I had planned to wake up early enough to go to Waffle House and come back and get drunk and then go out there. But I didn't have enough time for that because graduation started at like eight o'clock in the morning. So I got out there and went to graduation and I'm sitting in the crowd and it's moving. They doing all the stuff. I think I was in the school of business. Yeah, they announced the graduates by school. Like we have sit in no particular order, right? But you had your car with your name on it or whatever it was. Okay, cool. And so I'm in the business school because I was an econ major and they just move economics over to the business school. But that means that you go after the school of arts and sciences. And like when you really stop and think about it, it's the school of arts and sciences, man. That's everything. All right. So you got to wait to go behind all of them. Okay, cool. And so I'm sitting there in the audience. I think I was sitting next to Star. I must have been sitting next to Star because I wasn't sitting. I was sitting next to somebody that I liked and could talk to. And there weren't that many people in business school I felt that way about. So I'm sitting there. And, you know, it's 01. So I got a cell phone now. And so I'm trying to. It's pre-text message era, though. So I couldn't just like just send a quick missive to let people know. But you need to let your parents know. Let everybody know where you were in the process. Right. So I get up, I get in line, I hand the card over, and I call my brother to let him know that I would be on stage because he was the most reliable person to tell everybody else, right? And so I get up to the stage and I call my brother and I say, I'm about to be on stage. My brother on the other hand, says that I called him and I said, I'm about to be on stage. So I get up the steps and I think in the program, I was listed as magna cum laude. I know that by the time the final grades came in, I was on that regular cum laude. But somebody made a mistake on the card. And when I got up there, they read Bomani Jones, summa cum laude. 
Man, I get the massive ovation from the crowd. Uh, the speaker was, I think, Bill Gray, who's the director of the United Negro College Fund. He came up to personally shake my head. Man, I was so hyped up. I accidentally walked past my daddy off stage. My daddy worked there. He was dressed at all, you know, in the gear. I completely forgot that he was, I figured he was sitting with everybody else. I say all that to say, you say you don't care. There's a chance that you might care a little more than you thought. Go ahead and put it on. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How long did it take for you to be comfortable publicly talking about your failures, your frankness about your post-grad struggles helped me with finishing my master's? Um, It didn't really take long for me to get comfortable discussing them publicly because I had to discuss them privately first. And so... I already had to go to the people whose opinions I cared about the most. I had to go to the people that I would not want to think less of me. Um, And I did that. And it was easier to do than expected because they were more forgiving. And I don't know if forgiving is the right word, but I didn't disqualify myself in their eyes like I thought I had or like I feared maybe that I would have. And so when it came time to talk about these things publicly, it was just my, like, this is what it was, you know? Um, But I was not defined by those things. I also kind of figured out too, like, okay, so I failed out of a PhD program at a, like in a tier two program. You know what's really hard to do? Get into one of those programs. Like it didn't go that well for me, but most of the people that I would be telling that I flunked out of grad school couldn't get in. You know, like I did work that job at page two and it didn't work out. But how many people could have got that job in the first place, right? You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't dealing with people that I felt like were going to be in a position to stand in judgment of me in a way that I cared about. Um, But I learned not to be defined. I learned not to define myself by those mistakes. I mean, mistake's not the right word, but, you know, by coming up short. I wasn't defined by the fact that I came up short. And, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't give a fuck what y'all think about me. Like, and I don't say that like in some like dis- defensive sort of way or anything like that. But I can't think of who it is that I would discuss these things in front of whose judgment I'm concerned with or whose judgment could truly hurt me. Like, I don't I don't I don't know who those people are. I can't think of it. And so I am who I am. Sometimes I'm going to get some things wrong. Sometimes it ain't going to go right. But um. I guess what I'm not going to do is beat myself up for having some ambitions because those jobs, those things that didn't go well were largely about ambitions, right? I had some ambitions and I, you know, I couldn't make it to where it was, but I'm not going to feel bad about that. Like one of the things that I admire about Michael Jordan, admired about Kobe Bryant is the app, like not being afraid to fail. Michael Jordan knew that if he went out there and played baseball and it didn't go well, y'all was going to clown him. 
and he's prepared to live with that. You know, I'm not like that in all my life. Not at all. And I admire the people who are. All right, so here's a question I'm not going to put up, but my man says, it's the 28-year anniversary of the L.A. riots. Any books, media, et cetera, that you've watched about it that you would recommend or memories in general? I mean, I recommend that L.A. 92 documentary. I think it's interesting. But damn it, man, the 28th anniversary, just call it the anniversary. Like, ain't nothing special about the 28th anniversary. That'll require no damn commemoration. Like, but as we do that with everything now, you know what I mean? I can't celebrate these anniversaries every damn year. I can't. All right. Appreciate the question. Uh, wow. Somebody's asked something very particular. I'd love to answer, but I can't remember the situation. Do you ever see yourself launch your own media company? Outside looking in, you have the reach, influence, and very skill set to do quite a bit. Uh, it's called Old Soul Productions. We got two employees. I don't even know if it technically counts as such. One of them is Bomani Jones, and the other one is Lance Gilliam. We've been running this company now for about 10 years. Um, what it ultimately becomes, we will see. But the first property that we've had and we've worked on for a very long time is a little something called the Evening Jones. No, seriously, I'm not saying that to be snide. Um, like, I'm just saying that to, like, to understand that the idea of having your company, of course, all right, so this is something I guess a lot of people probably don't know. Um, when I did the Morning Jones, and that's now 10 years ago. When I did the Morning Jones, they were based out of Canada. We had to figure out how for them to pay me, you know, and all the stuff across the laws or whatever it was. And in order for me to do it, they had to do it through also. I had to get an LLC. So I got the LLC, called it also pro. All right, cool. So we set that up. And so from there, like, I viewed it very much as this is my company, like the T-shirts and all of that stuff. That's all through also productions. Like that's all me, you know, like taking care of Lance and getting everything done and these websites and everything else. That's also productions. Like that's the way that it's always been. Um, yeah. Lance been to the house, see me fold those shirts and all of that stuff. Right. Like that's what it is. Uh, when I started at ESPN in 2013, because when I worked at SB Nation, they also paid me through the company. And there's a special feeling that you kind of get when you get paid through the company. Cause I really, even though I was like, it was my job or whatever, but I felt like it was mine in a different way. You know, like they are paying me and my job is then to produce a show. I can put it together. That's how I felt. Um, and so when I worked at ESPN, I wanted to do it the same way, but the, the situation wasn't as such. So I didn't work through a company. I don't do that with ESPN, right? Like I work for them and that feels different. You know, that absolutely does feel different, but my thought and goal has always been to turn also pro into something bigger. And so, you know, when that'll be, we shall see. Um, somebody asked you, how did me and Lance meet? Um, used to work on this whole operation. Well, actually, I met Lance through Lance's brother, Lamar, because I knew Lamar in college because Lamar's now wife was cool with my then girlfriend. And I moved out to California in 2001, and I didn't know anybody there, but who I, I didn't know anybody. But my girlfriend knew uh, Lamar and his wife, so I got cool with them. And then back after years, we got reacquainted, and we started doing stuff with the website and things. And at a point, uh, Lamar had stepped away for a little while. Lance stepped in, and everything's been rolling since. 
All right. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. Man says, please give us a tour of your paintings on the walls. No. I actually don't have that many, though. I guess they're all in this room, like whatever my pieces of art are um, at this point. Uh, it's actually interesting, though, because I used to do a lot more of that kind of stuff, right? Like I'd walk you through and show you things and anything else. It is, and I'm just bringing this up just kind of as like a thought because it just kind of hit me and I thought this is an interesting way to segue into it. That like when the operation was smaller, I felt a lot more comfortable doing those kinds of things, right? It was just like, yo, we're all friends here. And maybe with this property, it's a little bit different because I do feel like the Evening Jones is much more like these are like my friends uh than it is with the other stuff but those kinds of things like i you know be doing the evening jones my parents house at christmas and walk around and have everybody say hi and all that stuff and i do not do that anymore like i have pulled back on all of those things it is very interesting how visibility kind of makes it important to keep some stuff to yourself you know, like you start realizing when you start giving like really authentically of yourself in that way in these spaces, you really do start realizing, right? Like you meet people and you're like, damn, they know me already. You know, it's like, yeah, we're friends. I want you to know me. But it becomes imbalanced because I can't know you in that same way. He's not a bunch of y'all at the same time. It just can't be. It just can't be done. Uh, so, yeah, at some point you might gradually see all the stuff. I forget who did that painting behind me. Got a Lori guess. You may not know Lori. Lori's a friend of mine in North Carolina. Got a Tony Peralta. I got a Marty. Forget what Marty's name is. And I got this photo to somebody was kind enough to send to me. Uh, I picked up from him in the city in exchange for a donation to his charity. Oh, I got a Rachel Kalashaw over there. Rachel Kalashaw is Tim Kalashaw's daughter. Uh, he was kind enough to send gifts to people for being on his show. And one of them was she recreated um, the cover for James Brown's Star Time over there. So I got that. I got another piece I got when I was in Portugal that I need to find a place to put up. Um, and I got like a dope subway photo that I got to get framed, all of that stuff. Um, but nah, I just kind of had to, you know, I can't, I just can't do things like that anymore. It's not about you. It's about me. All right. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got here. On the recent pod, you and Koppelman talked about Amadeus and Salieri and I was thinking about people can have conversations as to who the Amadeus of hip hop is, be it now or in the past, but who is Salieri? Here's an interesting thought on that. And I want to see, and I, I have not seen this movie now in 20 something years. So I could be this wrong, get, you know, have this wrong to a degree, but a big thing was just the idea that Salieri could not be Mozart. and could not get over the idea that he was not Mozart while being exposed to Mozart, dealing with Mozart, and just seeing what a giant asshole Mozart is, right? Do I have that right? That you guys in the chat room who have seen Amadeus, please help reinforce me. I got that right. Okay, Bob is the guy who says I got it right in the chat room, and interestingly, Bob stole my thunder because I was going to say, what if that person is Jay-Z and Kanye is the Mozart. 
because as good at rapping as Jay-Z is, and as Jay-Z is a better rapper than Kanye could ever dream of being, there is a certain something that Kanye's got that Jay-Z doesn't have. And, you know, as Kanye got bigger, Jay seemed to, like, enjoy the Kanye experience less and less. Because, look, as a solo star, whether y'all want to admit this or not, the same way that DMX was bigger than Jay-Z in the late 90s through early 2000s, once you got to 2004, Ye was bigger than Jay-Z. Jay-Z does not have an album that was as big or as all over the place as College Dropout was. He does not. Like, before Kanye had lost it, finding out a Kanye record was coming out, it meant something different than a Jigger record coming out. It did. And I do wonder that if there is a particular level of Jay-Z that looks at Kanye, you know, with a little scorn for that reason. Yeah, it blew my mind too. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Is Insecure still holding your attention in its fourth season? I will say the Insecure... As of now, it didn't. I wouldn't even just say it's holding my attention. I thought season three was really good, and I think season four has been really good too. Like, one thing I do think Insecure does very, very well, and you know, I've had different points in this and watching it where I just hated the character so much that it became difficult to enjoy. But, like, one thing that Insecure does very well, and this is something I value greatly the little Easter egg type stuff in the background, like they're like true crime thing that's running all the way through this season. I just think that that is absolutely a great idea. Like the humor in insecure really comes from the secondary actions, right? It doesn't really come. The humor is not plot driven. The drama is plot driven. The humor is peripheral. The humor is the little things that you see. And I think they do a great job with, the little things on this. And I think that the plot in the course of the last two seasons has been really good, right? Like I think the, this Issa Molly fallout situation is kind of an interesting one to sort of check out because one thing that is interesting about life generally is like we break up with intimate partners, but we typically don't break up with friends but the same reason that you could break up with an intimate partner would be a reason that you could break up with a friend. If that, you know, depending on what the level of intimacy is, your relationship and the trust that's required in order to make it work. And that seems to be what's happening there, you know? Um, so no, I'm with it. I think it's going very, very well. Like props to them. It's a really well done product. All right. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Wow, where did all this energy come from? I ain't had to say nothing crazy to y'all about the questions yet. If I gave you a control and turned on Mike Tyson's punch out, how far are you going to get before you get knocked out? No, I think I'm all right. I can't remember all the tricks on all of them, right? 
But I feel like literally anybody in the world can be Glass Joe. I feel like anybody in the world can be Von Kaiser. I got something for Piston Honda. Who come after Piston Honda? Is it uh is Don Flamenco after Piston Honda? Oh yeah, I know what to do with Don Flamenco. I got something for Don Flamenco. Uh is Ball Bull after Don Flamenco? I got something for him too. Second ball bull might be a little tricky. I got I feel like I still got something for Soda Pop Penske. Um Oh, King Hippo. I got King Hippo. Ain't no losing to King Hippo. I got King Hippo. What about what other racist-ass character? The Great Tiger? You remember the racist-ass Great Tiger? This game's wild racist. Uh, but yeah, it was the racist-ass Great Tiger. I got something for him. I'll block when he does his little spin around and then knock him out with a star punch when he come back around. I feel like my problems begin with the second Don Flamenco. I think I still got something for the second ball bull. But I, the sec, this dude said, Mr. Dream, we talking about Mike Tyson's punch out, fool. You're too young to play this guy. But uh, Mr. Sandman? Ooh, Sandman problems. I feel like I beat Mr. Sandman once and never fought him again. Um, My man, they used to have his thing shaking. Super Macho Man? He ain't that tough. You can get him. And then Mike Tyson. You just got to survive them first minute and 30 seconds. You survive that, you go from there. Dude said, Mr. Sandman's a beast harder than Mike Tyson. No, 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 ain't no harder than Mike Tyson. I beat Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out one time. I ain't never played Mike Tyson's punch out again. Appreciate the question. Next one, my man said, when was the last time you had to explain your engagement breakup? I'm in the midst of mine, so the questions are flying. Figuring it won't last forever, but I need some light. Thanks, Bo. Um, one, I broke up with my then fiance 12 years ago. So like, it doesn't come up anymore. Um, two, when it came around for me, it really wasn't that hard to explain. It didn't work. Like, that's it. You don't really owe nobody much more than that. Like, why aren't you getting married? Cause we not right. Like it doesn't have to be some catastrophic thing. It doesn't have to be something where the wheels fell off or anything else, man. It just didn't work. Like my thing with marriage and all of that stuff, the likelihood of it not working out is so much higher than the likelihood of it working. Like if it works, that's the shit you should be out here explaining. Like, tell me how you did that. But it didn't work. I can imagine that all by myself. You don't owe me nothing. All right. Next one. Man says, does three, six mafia have the catalog to match bone thugs and harmony in an IG live battle this Thursday. And the question I have on that is, who is the audience? Because no question 3-6 Mafia has a catalog for this. Because Bone didn't really have it cracking for as long. Like, to me. And you can let me know if I'm wrong here. But I feel like when you're talking about Bone, you're talking about 94 to 97. Right? Creeping on a come up. Uh, East 99 and the Art of War. Like, I don't really know what happened after that, that like, that was bone related that I paid any attention to. I got nothing for you there. But that was really like a three album run. The first album only has seven songs, right? Creeping on to come up as an EP, isn't it? Like they only have like six or seven tracks in total. And then East 99 has got some jams on it. And let me tell you something about a lot of them jams. Songs all sound the same, like. Like that was an album that needed a second producer because unique doing all them tracks 
Songs all sound the same, Mike. And then you get to the Art of War, which has Thug Love, which is like my favorite um, Bone Thug song of all the Bone Thug songs. All right, that's what you got. 3-6 got like 20 years worth of this, right? And so Live By Your Rep might not do nothing depending on the room, right? But like, we can go back that far. We got Tear the Club Up. We got the Late Night Tip. We got to tear the club up thug stuff. Like, 3-6 got most songs that you, I put it to you like this, you listened to a 3-6 song more recently than you listened to a Bone Thug song. Tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. 3-6 got more jams that I can throw on, I feel like, in just about any room and get it going. Hey, real talk. Real talk. What, what Bone got that's better than Still Fly? What they got that's better than Steel Fly? Nothing. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing about once a week. My man, Les Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also catch us at the Google Play Store. All right, talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. <laughs>